The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Masechet Rosh Hashanah has been sponsored by Mr. Soli and Cheryl Mizrahi. Hashem Alehem Yihyu for the Hatzlacha of both of their families, for Bezat Hashem, health, happiness. Continued success and of course uh, much nachat and uh, pleasure from their children. Hiratzon, in the zechut of their dedication to the Masechet Rosh Hashanah, they will be zocher for good judgment, they will be zocher for good beracha and mazal in all their endeavors. Amen. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Adon Shmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanichenu Begin Aiden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Ruach Shlema Eliyahu Hayim ben Shafia. Sophia. En narefan alo. En narefan alo. En narefan alo. Ruach Nefesh Ruach Guf Ruach Toker Rabbah Bo Vecheni Rasom Venomar. Amen. We begin today's daf on Chafei Amud Bet, and we are actually on the bottom line. We were discussing cases in our Mishnah where Bedin saw the moon. And let's say three of the uh, people that saw the moon all uh, consisted of Bedin. And now the Mishnah said two of them have to testify in front of the third. And actually the third one has to take two judges off the bench so they could have three judges to claim Mekudash. So we see over here a concept that even though all the uh, witnesses that saw the moon, even though they all qualified to be a deen, they still have a ability to be a judge. So that would be the principle of Ed Naase Dayan. Because the third one that's being used as a judge, he actually was an Ed. He also saw the moon. So you see a principle over here that somebody that potentially could have qualified to be a witness, can be used as a judge. So the Gemara says, to teach me, to tell me, the Aed Naase Dayan. To teach me that, the Aed, a potential witness, can also serve as a judge. And as she says, all of them were potential witnesses because after all, they all saw the new moon. And therefore, we see that what? That a potential witness can serve as the judge. Let us say that our Mishnah is not like Rabbi Akiva. Why? Netanya, we have a Braita. Sanedrin Shira'u Echad Shara'ak Etanifish. Let's say the members of the Sanhedrin, let's say the 23 rabbis, they saw somebody that committed murder. Rabbi Tarfon says, you take two of them and turn them into witnesses, and they'll testify in front of the other 21. Now actually you need 23 judges for the Nineveh Fashot, so you'll have to take two judges off the bench, then add it to the Betin. But the point is, Rabbi Tarfon says that the witnesses that saw the murder can testify, and the rest can remain judges. So obviously the bitter phone holds, Ed, Naaseh, Dayan. 
Now, that she just tells us, Miksatam Nasim Edim, Viaidu Bufne Havrehem. The Gabit Dinin of Fashot Edut Baina Dikhtib Apishenaim Edim Yumatabit. Which means that she's telling us Hadush over here that even though they all saw the murder, it doesn't matter. You need a testimony in front of them. Even though we learned on yesterday's daf that we have a sevarah that you cannot make shmi'ah better than the iyah. Here they actually saw the murder. What do you have to have witnesses come along and testify in front of them? They saw it. It should be an automatic. It should be an automatic testimony. So on yesterday's daf we answered this question about the kiddusha chodesh. The case is talking about where they saw the kiddusha chodesh at night. And ever since they saw it at night, so they're not really ra'ul yet to serve as witnesses at night, because we don't accept witnesses at night. Therefore, they saw it at night, the subsequent morning, now you have to have a testimony. In this case over here, according to Rashi, we cannot say that the witnesses, that the Beti saw the murder at night. Because he holds Rashi, that when it comes to Dinei Nefashot, you need testimony. You need Api Shenaim Edim, you might tell me the Gizrat Katuv, you need Edim. And therefore, even if let's say they saw the murder in the day, we don't say it's an automatic, or 23 rabbis saw the murder, kill them. No, you have to have two of them come and say, we saw the murder, and the other remaining the rabbis have to accept the testimony. It's a gazette that can do by the Nefashot. In any event, the Shittavli Bitarfon is indeed Aed Naaseh Dayan. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Kulan Naaseen Aidim. Finish. Once they all saw it, so they potentially now are witnesses, therefore they remain witnesses. And therefore with these 23, let's say rabbis of the Sarin, they become witnesses, they're going to have to get 23 other rabbis to form a betin, and they will testify in front of them. But the witnesses themselves cannot serve on the betin. So it must be our Mishnah is following the shita of Rabbi Akiva. Comes Gemara and says, "Afilu tema Rabbi Akiva." Now I can even say that our Mishnah is going like Rabbi Akiva, and really in the case of Kiddusha Chodesh, Ed Naase Dayan. Ad kano kamar Rabbi Akiva hatam ela bedirin nefashot. The only time Rabbi Akiva was mahmir that the witnesses cannot serve as judges. That's why capital punishment cases. Why did Rahmanamar veshafetu haeda vehesilu haeda? We have a special law when it comes to capital punishment cases that the judges have to find every way out to save the perpetrator. They have to find every angle and not be very hasty to kill somebody. Any way out they can exonerate the murderer, which means if they, for whatever reason, they have an obligation to And since they themselves saw the murder with their own eyes, lo matsu hazule zikuta. How are they going to find the zikut for this guy? Which means, basically, to be a betin, you have to have the ability of etzidu aida to save the guy. The Torah doesn't want any hasty decisions being made. So, in the dinner fashot case, since you have an extra rule called etzidu aida, since all these judges actually saw the crime itself, so therefore, in edna asedayan, 
Because in this case over here, how are you going to let them be Dayanim? There's no way they can exonerate. There's no way they can even be Mikayim Vitsidwad. They saw with their own eyes. And therefore, a judge cannot be a judge if he's not able to fulfill Vitsidwad Ta'ida. So in this case over here, where they saw the murder with their own eyes, they're pursued from being judges. But geez, all of them turn into witnesses. However, but by the case of Kiddush HaKodesh, even the Akiva will agree that what? That part of them become witnesses, and the rest, even though they're potential witnesses, they can serve as the Yenim. Because there's no Dina Vetsilu Aita by Kiddush HaKodesh. That as she over here in the third line says, Aval lo which means everybody agrees that the witnesses themselves that actually testified, they cannot turn into a judge. Which means the discussion over here is a potential witness. Can he serve as a Dayan? Because all these people that saw, let's say, the Kiddush HaKodesh, they are all potential witnesses. So the Hadush is that while according to Tarfon, Ed, a potential witness, can serve as a Dayan. The Biyakim says, no, in Ed Nasirin, anybody that potentially can be a witness, cannot serve as a Dayan. And our conclusion of the Gemara is, that's only by Dineh Nefashot, and not by Kiddush HaKodesh. But Rashi comes and says, everybody agrees, that once a witness becomes an actual witness, he then cannot go now, sit on the bench, and be the Dayan. So Rashi says, Only Hada'ui. Aval, Ed Atzmo. The witness himself, Letle the Nase Dayan. The Gabeiduta Hodesh Gufa, Namilu Akshin Batmanitin, the Yota Adim Nasib Dayanin. Which is even in our Mishnah by Kiddusha Hodesh, we never allowed the witness himself who testified to be the actual judge. Which is, if you would let the actual witness become the Dayan, be very simple. Let, you had three witnesses, right? Three Aydim. So let, we said what? Let two testify in front of one. And we said what? When you say Mikudash, you have to get two guys off the bench. If you let the Aid himself become the Dayan, let him testify in front, let them testify in front of the one, and then let them go sit on the bench themselves and say, Mikudash, Mikudash. So you see, we don't allow that. That shows you the actual Aid itself cannot be the Dayan. Our whole Mahlok and Ovim Tunabi Akhmanabi Tarfon is someone that's potentially able to give a dude, can he be a Dayan? Bintarfun says yes, and Biakiva says no, by the Nefashot. Why by the Nefashot? No, because you have the rule of Yitzilu, Ta'ida, and since these witnesses, they're not going to be able to serve as Dayanim in the context of Yitzilu to save the, uh, the perpetrator because they saw their own eyes. So therefore, those type of witnesses cannot serve as Dayanim. But in the regular case of Kiddush uh, indeed, a potential Eid Naseh Dayan. Comes the Next, Mishnah. We go back to the law of Rosh Hashanah regarding the Shofar. All Shofarot are kosher to use on Rosh Hashanah. Except the horn that comes from a cow. Because it's not called a Shofar. It's called a Kedin. The Torah tells us on Rosh Hashanah you have to blow a Shofar. There's a difference between a shofar and a keren. A shofar uh, comes from the word shefoferet, which is a hollow tube. Which means naturally, the way a shofar grows is it's hollow. 
However, a cannon grows in a solid piece, and you have to, you know, bore it out in order to make a hole. So that would be called a cannon. That's the way the Rishonim learned. So therefore, the Mishnah is telling you, call a shofarot kesherin, right? Anything that's called a shofar would be kesher, which means whether it's from an ayil, as she says, whether it's from a yayil. An ayil would be a ram's horn, yayil would be like a mountain goat. Doesn't matter. However, a uh, shofar of a para, it's not a shofar. It's a kerin, nashi, shu kerin. Eno karu shofar. Now, v'gabe yome kipurim shofar ketiv. V'avarta shofar teru'a. Now, by the yovel of Yom Kippur, which means, on Yom Kippur, they never blow shofar, except in the Jubilee year. The 50th year, they would blow the shofar on Yom Kippur, and that would symbol to free the slaves, and all ancestral properties would return, or actually, properties would return to their original owners. That's the shofar of Yom Kippur Yovel. And there it clearly says, Ve'avarta shofar teru'ah. And the Gemara on the Flamidalit is going to make a Gezerah Shavah from Rosh Hashanah to Yovel. Because by Rosh Hashanah it doesn't say shofar. So we're going to make a Gezerah Shavah that just like by shofar of Yovel, it says the word shofar. So to by Rosh Hashanah it's got to be a shofar. But not a kidding. So therefore the para. Even though it's a horn, it's not called a shofar, therefore it is invalid for use. Comes the Gemara and says, Ah, Mishnah, Amar Rabbi Yosef, V'halo kol ha-shofarot nikle'u keren. So what are you talking about? All shofarot are also called keren. Which means every shofar is called a keren. How do we know? Dikhtiv bimshokh bekeren hayovel. Since we have a pasuk over here, the pasuk actually is in Yeshua. That's when they were fighting against Yericho, the city of Yericho, and they had to blow the shofar during the time of battle. So the pasuk says, and it will be bimshoch bekeren ayovel, when the horn of the yovel. What is yovel? Yovel is not the jubilee year. Don't confuse it. The yovel over here, as she says, means dichra. Dichra is an ayil. So we see that what an ayil is a ram. So the pasuk is saying when the Ram's horn will be elongated, will be blown in a long way. So you see what? That even a ram's horn is called a cannon. So therefore, the Bihir says, What are you talking about? You worried about you? Tell me a shofar, but not a cannon. Every shofar is called a cannon. Because actually, at the end of the Pasuk, the Pasuk does say, So he comes along and says, What are you talking about? This item over here, called the ram's horn that you're telling me is kashir, because it's a shofar. But not Keren. What do you mean? It's called the Keren also. The Pasuk clearly says Keren. So therefore the Biyose argues against Tanakama. Comes the Gemara now and explains. Now again, the Ram's one obviously is the choice, most choicest uh, shofar to use. And therefore he brings a proof from a shofar that's called a, that's called a Keren from the ayin, right? The ayin, because yovel is an ayin. Yovel, that's a key thing to remember. The word yovel over means a ram. Comes Gemara and says, Shapir Kamar Biyoseh. You know something? The Biyoseh is a good claim to the Hakamim. Hakim are coming along and telling us what? That Paraz no good. It's called the Keren. You got to use the shofar. The Biyoseh brought a beautiful pasuk. He brings a clear proof that what? That even a ram's horn, which is the ultimate shofar, it's called a cannon. Nobody argues you can't use a ram's horn. So comes again, Maran says, Shapir Ka'aman. I mean, the Biyose has a good claim. The Rabbanan, Kol ha-shofarot ikru shofar ve-ikru cannon. All shofarot, they're called shofar and they're called cannon. 
So, so long as it's called Shofar, I don't care if it's called Kerin also. I mean, even if you look in this Pasuk, as I mentioned to you by Yiriho, when the Pasuk says, Bimshok Bekerin Hayovel, the continuation of Pasuk says, Bishok Machem, or Kishom Achem, et Kola Shofar. So therefore, if it has a dual name, I'm not worried, I can even say. It can be called the Kerin, so long as it's also called a Shofar. However, Depara, but the cow's horns, Kerin Ikri, Shofar no Ikri. It's only called a Kerin, but therefore, it's no good. And how do we know that the par, the par is or the para is only called a keren dichtiv bechor shoro hadar lo vekarnereem kanab. This was the blessing that was given to Yosef, and the blessing is said bechor shoro hadar lo. Yosef is compared to an ox. An ox is a para, the same family. And what does it talk about the ox? Its horns are called Keren, Karnereem. And therefore, what do you see? That the Shor, which is Shor and Para, the same item, it's called a Keren. It's not called a Shofar. So therefore, Hakamim come along and say, Para is different, because Para is only called a Keren, because Karnereem. Now, the reason why the Mishnah used the word Para instead of Shor is because Shor is obvious. I got a Pasuk that says Shor. Tardush is even a Para. Is also going to be uh, subject to the uh, invalidation that you're not going to be able to use it for a shofar because it is called a keren. Comes the Gemaran <coughs> says, that Rabbi Yosei Amar Dechan, Rabbi Yosei comes along and says, Depara name ikre shofar. Uh-huh. He comes and says, no, bring it Pasuk. Para is also called a Shofar. <coughs> Where do you see that? Dikhti, we have a Pasuk in Tehilim. Vititav la Hashem, and your prayers will be accepted by Hashem, better mishor par. Better than a shor par. Now, what is a shor par? We know what a shor is. Shor is an ox. Par is a bull, a para. What is, it, what is a short part? Your tefillot will be accepted better even than a short part. So comes the Gemara and says, Im shor, lama par. The im par, lama shor. Which means, how do you put these two animals and put them uh, together? So comes the Gemara and says, Elamai shor par. What does shor par mean? Mishofar. I mean, short part is like an abbreviation of the word shofar. Which is, what is uh, what is David Amelik saying? That the tefillot that the person is going to make is going to be even greater than the shofar sound. That's she. My prayer is going to be more uh, effective than a shofar. Now, what are you talking about, but? A short. And still we're calling it a what? Shofar. Which is the dirasha is shofar. What animal are we talking about in that pasuk? A shor. So you see what? That you can call the horns of a shor a shofar. That's why I call it shor par. We're talking about a shor. So the Vedas said, my tefillot are going to be more effective even than a shofar. A shofar of what? Of a shor. Uh, so what is the, the Biyosei proof from there? That even a shor is also called shofar. And therefore no problem. You can use it also on Rosh Hashanah. To that, the Gemara says, V'rabbanan. 
Or so what do the rabbis do with this pasuk shor par? Kid rab matna. The amarab matna. My shor par shu gadol kepar. A shor is considered a one day old animal. When the when the ox is one day old, it's called a shor. After it becomes three days old, three years old, I'm sorry, we call it a para. So what a para really is is an old shor. So now the Gemara's question, Ula says, what does it mean, shor par? So it says, a shor that's as big as a par. How do you have a shor that's as big as a par? A shor is one day old, and a par is, uh, three, par is three years old. So when Boreolam created the world, the first shor was created fully developed. It was a one day old animal, but it was fully developed, and it looked like the size of a... Para. And therefore, David Amelik says that my tefillot will be more accepted, even more than if I would bring a korban of a short par. Meaning, even if I would have brought that short of ma'asim bereshit, that was a one day old short but was the size of a par, still what? My tefillot are going to be more accepted. Obviously, this opinion holds that when God created the world, like we learned on previous the in the previous period, the world was created in fully full form. She's already it was fully developed, and therefore it's called a short part because it was one day old. So that's called a short, but it was big as a three year old. Therefore, it's called a part. So there's nothing to do with shofar. David Amelik is saying, if I would pray to Bodhi Allah, my prayers will be more accepted, even if I would bring that short part as a Qurban. So there's nothing to do with a shofar. So therefore he says, what do you see that a part is called a shofar? Not for this pasuk. Look at Rashi. Par, shor shu par. Biyom shinikla shor, haya gadol ke par. Vezer shor shil ma'aseh bereshit. Shibiyom shinivra, nivra bekomato. Because the day that was created, it was created fully developed. Veshor ben Yamo karushor shneemar shor ochesev oez upar enu nekra ad ben chalosh. So she just gives you the pesukim. A shor is called a shor on the day it's born. Shor oez ki yivaled. It's called a shor of anyone who's born. However, a par is not called until it is three years old. So that's basically the machlok between Tanakama and Rabbi Yosef. Tanakama says you can only use a shofar. You can't use a para. Why can't you use a para? Because para is called a kaden. Oh, so comes uh, the B.O.C. and says, Nah, what are you talking about? I'll show you even the ram's horn is called a kaden. How can you come along and say, Oh, it's called a kaden, but it's also called a shofar. And therefore you have no proof. However, uh, the question is, How do you know a para is called a shofar? Well, para is also called a shofar because it says shor par. And the B.O.C. learns the pasuk, shor par is shofar. Okay, say, no, that's not the word shofar. Shor par is a sword the size of a par. What's that referring to? The sword of Maaseh, Bereshit. Ula Amar, Ula comes along, has a different track. Hainu ta'amad rabbanan. You know why the rabbis say you can't use a para? Not because of the canon reason. Leave the canon reason. The reason why they say you can't use a para, uh, the horn of a para, kidnaf chazda. How come the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur? When he goes into the Holy of Holies to do the Avodah, how come he doesn't wear his Big Zahav? How come he doesn't wear his garments that have the, the gold, the gold vestments? How come he doesn't wear them? We have a rule. The prosecutor cannot become the defender. Which means, the Kohen Gadol now is going to be 
Meratse to appease God for Kaparat Avonot for Klai Yisrael. We don't want him to going in with gold. Gold reminds the Kadosh Baruch Hu of the sins of Klai Yisrael, specifically Egel Zahab, the golden calf. So therefore you can't use the prosecutor, which is the gold, to end up becoming the defender. And therefore you can't use the horn of a para, because the para is the egel. And then what, we're going to use the, the, the horn of a para, as kapara. Meanwhile, that's the prosecutor. He can't turn the katigod into a sanigod. No reason. Kamara says, Velo. I mean, is that, is that so? We know in the Kodesh Kodeshim, like we know the Masik and Yomah, they would sprinkle the blood of the par. One of the animals they slaughtered on Kippur was a par, and the blood would be sprinkled between the uh, Badim in the, uh, in the um, Kodesh Kodeshim. Uh, what happened to Inkatigod Nasasanigod? Now it changed. It's not a par anymore, it's blood of a par. There's a difference between a part itself that's in its normal uh, uh, state, even the shofar, it's in its normal state. Which means the shofar itself, you didn't do anything to it, you just pulled it off the animal, but it's still as it is. Here you slaughtered the part, now you're taking the blood, that's already considered a shinui, and therefore there's no problem of ketigon na'asa, you don't see a part, all you see is blood. You see a part over here? You don't see a part, you just see blood, it's not, it's not recognizable. So the Gemara says, Ve'aika aron ve'kaporet ve'chruf, what are you talking? The furniture of the Beit HaMikdash itself was made out of gold. Meaning, the Aron, the Kaporet, the Kirubim, those were made out of gold. And that's part of the Kapara process. Right? So therefore, oh, what happened to Enkat Yikun HaSad You have these gold furnishings. Ramana says, Bal Yakriv Kamlina. We're talking about the sinner bringing a korban, which means in the process of bringing the korban, meaning wearing the garments, that already is considered, he's the one that's bringing the korban, or the choteh, the sinner, that's what he was saying, but not the furnishings themselves that are, uh, that are in the Beit HaMikdash, they're not being used necessarily, they're passive, they're, uh, they're in the Beit HaMikdash, but they're not considered the, the person himself. What do you mean? What about the spoon and the shovel that they use for the coals and the ketoret? That the Kohen himself brings it in. Remember we said he brings it to the Kodesh Kodashim, the Mahtan, the Kaf, right? That she has the coals and he carries, he's carrying it. It was the sinner and it's made out of gold. Oh, what happened to Eka? They go, Nazar Zanigor. So the Kabbalah says, we're talking about only items that the sinner is adorning himself with. Which means like the garments. Which means, when, when do we use the principle? So we're narrowing down this principle of Ketigon Nasasanigod. It's Davka, the sinner that uses gold to adorn himself. That would knock out furnishings, that knocks out Kaf and Mahta, because even though the Kaf and the Mahta are functional, but they're not adorning the Kohen Gadol. It's not his garments, so therefore no problem. Okay, what are you talking? But the Kohen Gadol does wear gold on the day of Kippur. Maybe not in the Kodesh Kodashim, but he wears it outside the Kodesh Kodashim. And that's an adornment. And he's asking for Kapara. Oh, what happened to Sanigod? Kapara says, Bifnim Ka'amrinan. We're only talking when you're inside. When you're in the Kodesh Kodashim and you're trying to get the real Kapara close to Kodesh Baruch Hu, you don't go in and ask for Kapara in the Kodesh Kodashim with gold. So that's what we're talking about. So there's no problem for him to wear it outside. So the Kabbalah says, Shofar Nameh Mibachotsu. 
So what do you think? What do you think we blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah? We don't blow the shofar in the Kodesh Kodashim. We blow the shofar outside. So once you tell me that outside there's no problem of inkat to good nasas anigor, what's the matter with the shofar? Gemara's final answer: Kevan del zicharonu kebefnim dame. Since it's the shofar that reminds God of the zikhiyot of Klai Yisrael. And it's like we learned earlier that we have to say in front of God Malkuyot and Zikronot. And how does the Malkuyot and Zikronot Tefilot rise up to Gadosh Baruch Hu? It rises up through the Shofar. So therefore, since it's the Shofar that brings up Tefilot up close to Gadosh Baruch Hu, it's considered Kinefnim. Which is even though we're blowing the Shofar outside, it has the status of Inside, and then, because it's affecting the tefillah to be answered, so therefore the problem is So now we have two reasons basically why the Alkamim say a para's horn is not good, either because it's called a kidin, or because it is the problem of it's a katigor, it's a prosecutor, and you can't use a prosecutor as a defense. And even though this law only applies to things that are inside and things that are the hitnaot, things that are adorning the Kohen, doesn't matter, either it's not an adornment, it's not inside, since this is the item that's affecting the tefillot to be accepted in front of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, kinefnim dameh, it's considered as if it is inside, that she's lashon is, shofar nameh afagav, delet pehumishum choteh bal yiklav, velet pehumishum choteh bal yitnaeh, kemad bezecharon ka'ateh, kemegdeh Kohen Gadol shnefnim dameh, it's considered like the comments of the Kohen Gadol, that are inside, that's what that she tells us, Kanz Gebran says, but what are you talking? How could you Ula, how could you tell me that the reason of the rabbis is because of this inkatigun you're going against the Mishnah. The Mishnah doesn't give that reason. The Mishnah says that the para is not good because it's called the Kirin. Now you come along and say, No, I got a new reason. How could you create a new reason? The Mishnah doesn't give that reason. says, Hada the Ka'amar. Really, the Mishnah is only giving one of two reasons. Which means, one reason, which is the primary reason, is Happy three that Mishnah did not list that reason. And secondly, you should know, it's because it is a which is really, there are two reasons uh, that the Shita uh, Hakamim really hold. Comes the Gemara and says to that, the Rabbi Amar Lecha, and Rabbi Yosef will answer, the Ka'amart and Katigod Na'asa Sanigod, Hani Mile Mebifnim, the Ay Shofar Mebachutz. He doesn't go with this Shofar, it's Kibifnim, Dabe. He says, listen, the Katigod Na'asa Sanigod problem is only stuff that's inside the Kodesh Kodashim. Shofar is outside. He doesn't go with this whole pimpoo that that's just the shofar is for, uh, you know, tefillot being accepted. It's like the clothes, it's inside. No, no, he says, by when it's outside, I got no problem with that. Oh, and your second claim, which the Mishnah discusses, that you're calling it a keren, a horn? What are you talking about? All those, even the ram's horn is called a keren. So that's what he will say, answered back on the two claims of... The Akamim, why you cannot use a shofar of a para? Number one, because the Enkatikon Asasikon does not apply, because this is talking about where it is outside. And secondly, every shofar is called a Kerin, and you're not going to argue with me, you agree you can use a Ramzon. And I showed you the Pasuk in Yeshua still calls it a Kerin. So therefore, the BOSA rejects the opinion of Hakamim. Abiyah gives a different reason. Why the Hakamim say you can't use a 
cow's horn. Amar Rabbi Amar, Ainu Tamad Rabbanan, Shofar Amar Ahmana, Velo Shenaim, Vishlosha Shofarot. Torah says, how many Shofarot do you blow on Rosh Hashanah? One. Right? Ta'abiru Shofar. So therefore it's one Shofar. But you're not to blow two or three Shofarot. So what does that mean? Vehad Para, Kevan Dekae Gilde Gilde, which means the way a shofar of a para grows, it grows in like shells, and then the shell is added, the next year grows a little more, and then another shell is added in growth, and therefore it looks like it's made up of many shofarot. Because it grows one year, right? Then the shell of the shofar extends and grows again. But you're able to see... The tears. the tears, exactly. The separation between the different levels of the shofar of the para. So therefore, I can't even say what I mean. Torah is one shofar. This item over here is three shofarot, whatever. Four shofarot. It looks like more than one. Gilde gilde, as she says. Bechol shana b'shana, nikere tosfato. The additional growth is recognizable. Deu kimin geled, mostly it's like an extra shell that's added. Al geled rishon, the original shell. Which is where the where the first one ends, like it overlaps in it, the second one grows over it. So it looks like you're blowing an apparatus that has more than one shofar. That's why the rabbi says it's no good. What are you talking about? Where did you get that reason? What do you mean? Amishnah didn't say that. Amishnah says the reason why the rabbis disqualify is because it's a kidding. Hada ve'od kamar. Again, the Mishnah is giving you one of two reasons. Hada the shofar ehada marachma. That's the main reason. That really, because the shofar is, you have to have one shofar, not two shofarot. Ve'lo shenayim, which loshas shofarot. Ve'od lepnei shulkeren. Now, how does the Yosei answer this? The Yosei Amar lechad the kamar shofar ehada marachma. Now, lo shenayim, which loshas shofarot. Kevant mechabre ehada de hadu. This is what do I care if it looks like two, two or three shofar? Bottom line, it's all attached. Since it's all attached, it's considered one. Ude kamar de shulkeren. Your second claim that you said it's called a keren, called a shofarot ikru keren. So therefore, it comes out we have three reasons why the rabbis would say the horn of a para is not accepted. Either because it's called a keren, either because en katigor naasa sanigor, or the third reason is because it looks like two or three shofarot. And the Biyoseh will answer all those three claims. Number one, that you tell me en katigor naasa sanigor, that's only bibifnim. This is mebachutz. And that you tell me that it looks like two or three shofarot. No, this is considered one piece. Therefore, it's considered one. Ah, and you claim that it's called a, a, a keren. All shofarot are called Keren, like we see uh, in the Pasuk Yoshua. Now the Gemara goes into some different terminologies. How do we know they mean what they mean? How do you know the word Yovel, as in context of that Pasuk, means a ram? How do you know the word Yobla is a ram? The vocabulary. How do you know the word interpretation? Netanya, we have a brighter. Amar biakiva, keshalakti le aravia. When I went to Arabia, hayu korin de dechra yubla. Finish. I heard in Arabia, which is that's the way they used to call it. Now you're going to say, what does what that got to do uh, with Arabia? We're, we're, we're talking about Shona Kodesh. Who cares how the Arabians would call a uh, ram? So the Shlach Kadosh has a very interesting principle over. He says that uh, there are a lot of words that were forgotten in the Shona Kodesh, and they were taken into captivity, those words, by other 
nations. So there's a lot of words that are really emanate from Nashon Kodesh, but uh, they're not being used by us anymore. So you can only find them being used in other uh, languages, other places, by the Goim. So the Biakiva says, you know, we knew, we, knew we, had, we had a word in our Torah called Yovel. What is Yovel? So when I went to Arabia, so I heard when they were referring to a ram, they said, Yubla. So oh, that's our word. That's our word they got over there. We got, they got uh, taken to the Goim. And therefore now I know how to interpret it when the Pasuk, when it says Yovla, it means a ram. When he went to a place called Galia, they would refer to a lady who is a Nida, they would refer to her as a Galmuda. So the Gemara says, My Galmuda, what does Galmuda mean? Which means this lady over here is separated from her husband. Gimula Da, Galmuda, Gimuda da, Mibala. Comes Gibraltar to the Marbi Akiva, Kishalakti, La Afriki. He says, When I, Rabbi Akiva says, When I went to Africa, Hayu Korim, the Ma'a, Kisita, they called the denomination of a Ma'a, which is a coin, they called Ma'a, Kisita. They referred to it as a Kisita. It's another denomination. Now, the Mind of Kamina, What's enough coming out? You call a ma'a, a kisita. Now, a ma'a, incidentally, is a sixth of a denomination of a coin. It's a sixth of a dinar. So, a ma'a is a small coin. So, the Gibraltar said, You should know when I went to Africa, they call a ma'a, they call it kisita. So, he said, Man of coming out. What's the big deal that you have to know this uh, terminology? Gibraltar said, The Firusheh, to explain the Pasuk. Me'a. Kisita de Oraita, Mea Danke, which is when the Torah says Mea Kisita. That's talking about that Yaakov bought a, a piece of land from Shechem, says he paid Mea Kisita. So you have to know that Kisita is a small coin. It's really Mea Danke. It's a hundred sixths of a dinar. And therefore you had to interpret the, the price. Which when it says Kisita, it's really not a big coin. Kisita is a ma'an. You know how much he paid. It's really a sixth of the coin. Kisita is a ma'an. That's danke. Danke is also a sixth. Okay. Amar Rabbi. Rabbi said, Kishalak to the Karkayam, and I went to one of the uh, islands. Hayu kurin the mechira chira. A mechira, a purchase, right, to buy something. They didn't say mechira, they would call it chira. The mind of Kamina, the perushe, again, to explain the pasuk, asher chariti li. When Yosef wanted to go bury his father Yaakov, so Yosef goes to uh, Paro and says, message to Paro and says, listen, my father wants me to bury him in the plot. He said to me, bury me in the plot, asher chariti li. So chariti, now we understand, means that. He purchased that he bought. Because Khariti, like we saw in the islands, that's referring to a purchase. Asher Khariti, that I bought for myself. Amar Bishwam and Akish, Kishalakti, Lithum Kan Nashraya. It's the name of a place. Hayukorin Lechala Ninpi. They called a bride Ninpi. Venetanegol Sechvi. And the rooster they called a sekvi. The kalan the reason why they called the bride ninpe meekira. From where they get this from? Yefenof mesos kolaris. The pasuk refers to the beauty of Yerushalayim and Eretz Yisrael, the beauty of a kala. So therefore, it refers to them as yefenof. 
So that's referring to a kalala. Yerushalayim is as beautiful as a nof, as a kala. When the Tanegol Sechvi, and the Tanegol they call Sechvi, now Sechvi literally means eyes, which means able the ability to see. Why would they call that? So the Gemara says, look at Bashi for a second. Sechvi Lashon the Iya. Kemo Vayeshkef, Umetargeminan the Istache. So therefore, what is the ability of a rooster? He's able to discern between the crack of dawn. So he has very good eyes that he's able to tell the difference between night and day. Even though it's really not discernible by a regular human being's eyes. So therefore they refer to the Sekhvi, uh, the Tamigol, rooster, they call him a Sekhvi. Where do you see that the Sekhvi, the rooster is called a Sekhvi? It says, Who puts wisdom in the... In the smooth ones, but the hot is the smooth ones. That's actually referring to the kilayot. That's referring to the uh, kidneys of a person. That's where the chokmah, uh, the Torah, the Tehrim says that that comes from the, like the intestines. What's kilayot? What does it say there? Kidneys. Kidneys. Okay, good. So that's what they say. The kidneys, that's where the chokmah rests. I mean, the counsel and advice comes in the kidneys. So the Pasuk concludes and says, And who gave the Sechvi wisdom? Who put the wisdom in the smooth ones? That's referring to the smooth kidneys. That's the Kilayot. That's referring to the rooster, meaning he has the Sechvi, the vision, and is able to discern between night and day. That's what I call the rooster. Levi Levi found himself in a certain place. So a guy came to him. So he tells him, So and so, Kaban. So and so did this to me. Kaban. He didn't know what the word Kaban means. Sha'il Bemidresha. So he went to the Yeshiva to ask. Amru de Gazlan. He was saying so and so stole from me. That's what Kebaran Pilanya. He so and so stole from me. So he was going to the rabbi and saying, this guy stole from me. So the rabbi had no idea what it was. He went to the Yeshiva. So by the way, it means that they stole. That he got stolen from, right? Gazlan. Amar Lach Dichtif, like the Pasuk says, Hey Yikba Adam Elohim. Can a person steal from God? So Rabbah tells of If I was there in your predicament and I didn't know what he was telling you, I would have had a way to find out what he meant. I would have told him, How was he Kabaka? Bimai Kabaka, with what was he? And why did he do it? Which means, based on these questions, whatever he answers from the context, I'll be able to figure out what do you mean? Just ask him some questions. Let him talk. And Mimela, I don't know exactly from the context of the conversation what it means. Gemara says, "The Eu Savar Milta de Isura Ka Amarle." 
which means he thought that Kaba'an is Isut. He thought it means actually that Shalom, somebody committed the act of uh, relations with him. And therefore he came along and said, Kaba'an Planya. He's not going to start asking him questions over here because he thinks the guy made uh, an Isud. So he didn't want to get involved with this uh, questions now. So therefore he didn't. Gebarah says, Lo avu banan. The rabbis did not know the interpretation of the following words. My sirugin. Gebarah Megillah says that you should not read the Megillat Esther sirugin. So I have no idea what does the word sirugin mean? Shame or shamua le amta de berabi. They heard the maidservant, the famous maidservant of Rabbi Wakadosh, the Hazatanu Rabbanan, she saw the rabbis, the Avu Aile Paske Paske. They were entering Rabbi Yehuda's Shi'ur, you know, small groups at the time. They didn't all enter the Shi'ur together. They all were entering Paske Paske a little at a time. Amra Lehu, Admatai Atem Nichnasim Surugin Surugin. What are you doing? Are you entering over surugin surugin? So that's like uh, a little at a time, which means now they understood what the Gemara means in Megillah that you read a little of the Megillah and you stop, and you read a little more and you stop. You shouldn't read it surugin. You're supposed to read it all in one shot. You're not supposed to read it surugin, meaning stopping a little spurts at a time. Comes the Gemara and says, Lo banan my halog logot. They didn't know what this halog logot is. The Gemara says that one uh, person uh, who's trying to be tahor should not eat certain vegetables, because certain vegetables can bring zavut, can cause a person to have tumah. So the Gemara says you should not eat these halog logot. We learned in Yomah, for example, the Kohen Gadol, they told me you should not eat certain vegetables like the halog logot before he was served on Kippur, because I don't want him to have a tumah, a discharge. So they didn't know what this halog logot is. Yomahad shamu'a la'amtad b'rabi. So they heard the maidservant of Rabbi. The hazit lahu gabra de kamil badid farfahina. He was taking the farfahina vegetable and he was uh, spreading it. He was, uh, you know, um, scattering it around. Amra le'ad matay atam fazir halog lokha. Until when are you going to spread the halog logot? So they knew now that halog logot is actually what's called farfahina, which is a vegetable that was well known to them. There was a pasuk. The pasuk is actually in Mishle. Salseleha utromimekka. So they didn't know what the word salsela means. They knew this pasuk was referring to Torah. But what does salsela mean? Salseleha. They heard the maidservant of Rabbi. Davat amra lahu gabra. She saw a certain fellow, he was uh, twirling his hair. How long are you going to twirl your hair? So now they understand what the pasuk means. Salseleha, you have to twirl in the Torah, which means you have to turn it over. You have to learn it, and learn it over again, and twirl it, and turn it upside down. You go deep into the Torah. Salseleha, and then the Torah will elevate you. They didn't know what the Pasuk means in Yeshayahu. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk is referring to that what? That God is going to, we know what it means, sweep, but we'll see if they don't know what those words meant. 
Right, with the with the sweep of destruction. But now we'll see what it means. He, they didn't know what it meant. Yomahad shamu'a la'amtad b'rabi dava amra la'haverta. She told her friend, Shakuli ta'atita v'tati b'ta. Take the broom and sweep the house. So therefore they knew that that was the, the, the sweeping. That God's going to sweep out the... Uh, right, the sweep of destruction. <laughs> They didn't know what it means in the Pasuk when it says, Put on God, Yehavicha. Yehavicha. They didn't know what the word Yehavicha means. Put on God your your Yehavicha, uh, and He will sustain you. Amar Barbarhana, Yoma Had, Hava Azina, Badeahu Tayah. Says so one day I was traveling with a certain Arab. Darina tuna. I was carrying a load. Take your load and place it on my camel. So I learned from him that the word Yehavecha is your load, which means take your burden and place it on God. Which means Olam will take care of your problems. Do not uh, burden yourself with your uh, uh, troubles. Put your burdens on God and He will sustain you. Okay, now we go to the next Mishnah. Shofar shel Rosh Hashanah, the shofar that we use on Rosh Hashanah, shel Ya'el Pashut. Ya'el is the mountain goat. Pashut, wild goat. And it has to be straight. I mean, not as opposed to a curved or bent shofar. The shofar of Rosh Hashanah has to be a straight horn. Ya'el Pashut. The Gemara will tell us why. Upiv mitsupezahav. Its mouth is gold plated. Now we're talking about the shofar that they blew in the Beit Hamikdash, not the shofar that they blow in the uh, synagogues in Hashanah, obviously. This is the shofar of the Beit Hamikdash. Now she says, Upiv mitsupezahav b'shel Mikdash ka'amar. Not to fight the Beit Hamikdash. V'shteh hatzotzot menastadin. And also there were two trumpets that stood on either side of the tokei of the shofar. So you had a hatzotzot on. Right in the left, and the tokei of the shofar in the center, and they learned that from pesukim. Now they would blow the sounds all together. The hatzotzot and the shofar would blow together, but shofar ma'arich, the shofar would be elongated. The sound, the asrosot mekatsrot, and the hatzotzot would blow a short sound. They would end first. Why? Shemitzvat ayom b'shofar, because the mitzvah today is b'shofar. So we want everybody to know that the ikar today is not hatzotzot. The ikar today is shofar. It has the longer. Sound. And on the fast days, where they also used to blow the shofar, like it says in the second Ta'anit, according to the shofarot, first of all, they would use the uh, horns of a male goat, which are bent, and this time its mouth is plated with silver. And you would have two hatzotzrot in the middle, which means you'd actually have two shofarot on a ta'anit. You had two shofarot, one on the right, one on the left, and then two hatzotzrot in the middle. So you had altogether four pieces. Shofar mekatser v'hatzotzrot ma'arichot. 
In this case, they would blow them all together, but the shofar would blow the short sand, and the hatsot would blow the long sand. Because here the mitzvah of the day is actually in hasoserot. Rashi says, Right, yeah, two shofarot, one to the right, one to the left. Then beemsa and the hasoserot were in the middle. Which means the purpose of the shofarot on, or the hatsoserot on the first day is to announce and assemble the people. When Moshe Rabbeinu would call the uh, gathering of the people, he would use Hasoserot. So on Taniyot, where the purpose is to gather the people, to come and fast and pray, so the Ekar is Hasoserot. Now, The Shofar of Yovel, like we learned earlier that they used to blow the Shofar on Yom Kippur of... Yovel, the 50th year, they blow shofar on Yom Kippur. That shofar is similar to the shofar of Rosh In what sense? Litki'ah, which means for the tiki'ah, meaning that she says bifshutim, <laughs> that you blow a straight shofar. Just like on the Yovel is a straight shofar, Rosh Hashanah also is a straight shofar. Look at Rashi. Bifshutim. Which means we know Rosh Hashanah has to be a straight shofar. The Gemara is going to learn straight shofar. Um, the Gemara is going to learn why it has to be straight. The reason that we're going to say by Rosh Hashanah, read it as an apply by Yovel. So that she says, doesn't matter. We have to give Zerah Shavah. It says by Rosh Hashanah Shivi'i. It says by the Shofar of Yavir Shivi'i. Give Zerah Shivi'i. See, whatever Shofar you use by Rosh Hashanah, that's the Shofar you have to use by Yavir. It's got to be a straight Shofar, straight Shofar. Give Zerah Shavah. V'l-Brachot. And we also make a case that what? We know on Rosh Hashanah we have nine Brachot in Musaf. The regular Brachot, of the first three the Amidah, last three the Amidah, and then we have Malchuyot, Zikronot, and Shofarot. So the Hadush is that Yom Kippur of Yovel, you also would have nine Berachot in Musab. Normally on regular Kippur, they didn't. But, no, well yeah, with the Shofar, of course. But you'd have the Hadush that you make Berachot of Musab, nine Berachot like you did on Rosh Hashanah. The Biudah Omer, Biudah says no. Berosh Hashanah, Tukhim, Beshel, Zikharim. The first thing he comes along and says is that on Rosh Hashanah you blow from Zecharim. Now the Zecharim are actually Kifufim. It's another way of saying on Rosh Hashanah you blow the bent. So number one he argues on Hakamim the Gabi Rosh Hashanah. Because Hakamim of Hamishnah say Rosh Hashanah you blow the straight. That's why the Gemara gives an example of an Ya'il, because Ya'il is usually a straight one. He says, no, I argue on you on this item. I hold Rosh Hashanah is actually kafuf. It's actually bent. And the second Mahlokit, he says that on Yovel, you blow Ya'ilim, which is straight. So, obviously he doesn't have this Gezerah Shavah between Rosh Hashanah and Yovel. Because he holds Rosh Hashanah is bent, and uh, Kippur is straight. The Gemara will explain exactly where he gets his opinion from. But she just tells us the Gezerah Shavah lo Gamir. Obviously, you see, he does not learn the Gezerah Shavah. Comes the Gemara and says, Amar Rabbi Levi. 
רבי לוי said, מצווה של ראש השנה ושל יום הכיפורים בחפופים. Everything is straight. Rosh Hashanah is straight and Kippur is straight. According to the Biyudah of Mishnah, Rosh Hashanah is bent and Kippur is straight. According to Reb Levi, in this Gemara, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are both bent. They shall call a Shana b'fshutim. And all year long, meaning on fast days, you do it straight. Okay? Gemara says, what do you mean? Ve'atenan, we have a Mishnah, Shofar shel Rosh Hashanah, shel Ya'il Pashut. Hey, Rabbi Levi, are you on the Mishnah? The Mishnah clearly says that what? The Shofar of Rosh Hashanah is straight. What are you doing? So comes Gemara and says, Huda Amar ki Haitana. Well, he's following a different Tana. The Tanya, we have a Braita. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Be'Rosh Hashanah yu tukhin b'shil zecharim kefufim. Clearly on the Braita, Rabbi Yehuda says that they blow the bench Shofar, on Rosh Hashanah, so you're like, Obi Oblot Beshel, Ya'alim. And on Rosh Hashanah, on Kippur, they blow the straight ones. So therefore, he's following the Be'uda. Only question is, what did you have to bring the Be'uda of the Braita? What was the matter? Why couldn't you bring the Be'uda of the Mishnah? Yes. This is the Be'uda of the Mishnah, by the way. So the Gemara, hey, the Levi, you hold the Rosh Hashanah bent. Who are you going like? Hey, we got a Tana. We have a Tana, we found a Braita. That has the Be'uda's opinion. What do you mean? What about the Be'uda of the Mishnah? Doesn't the Be'udah and the Mishnah say you blow a bent or blend shofar on Rosh Hashanah? Yeah. What did you have to create a brighter for this shita and when it's in the bright? Huh? Ubiyoblot b'shel ya'alim. The Mishnah also said Ubiyoblot b'shel ya'alim. That in Yom Kippur you blow a straight. But he says Kifin. He said both Kifin. He said both Kifin. How's he going to learn me? Right? Or not Shana and Kippur because he doesn't make the Gezerah Shabbat. So you're coming along and asking me a question. Your question was from Rosh Hashanah. Your question was, what do you mean Rosh Hashanah? You're telling me that it's Kifin. What are you talking? We learned that it's straight. So your question is from Rosh Hashanah. So your question is from Rosh Hashanah. So bring me the, the Mishnah then. What did you create the Brite? The Gemara wasn't trying to support his whole Shitana. So he was asking specifically from Rosh Hashanah. So for that, just go to the Mishnah. So the Mephashim come along and just say that from the Mishnah you have no proof. Because Mishnah you just see his Shitah. But in the Brite, it says, Hayu Tukrin. How you took it is they actually did it. <laughs> so there's a difference between what you hold, because could you be a holder, but you didn't actually put it into practice. How you took is mashma, they blew it. And then what's a much bigger proof, because we have a principle, ma'aserav. And therefore, I'll tell you, I have a proof for Rabbi Levi, that he says you blow with a bench shofar. I'll prove it to you, because I have a bride that says, the not only is it a shita, but they actually did it. Therefore, it's a bigger proof when you bring it from the... Braita, then you bring it from the Mishnah, because it says, Hayu Tokain. That's one answer to that question. Comes the Gemara and says, Comes the Gemara and says, Velema Hilcheta Kirabi Yehuda. Rabbi if you hold it, you blow it a bench or far. What do you have to say your own cheat? I just say halakha, 
Can it be Yehuda? Yeah. Yeah. like a Tana, right? Just say, can it be Yehuda? When it comes to the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah. Yamat, can it be Yehuda? Now is what you said. If you're going to say, can it be Yehuda? Vamina afilu shel Yovel, nameh. I would have thought he agrees with him when it comes to Yovel as well. And Yovel, the Yehuda and the Mishnah says straight. But he holds that Yovel is bent. So therefore I couldn't say, can it be Yehuda? Because you make a mistake of what I hold by. Yovel. Right? No, that when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, I agree. But when it comes to Yovel, I argue. Right? He can make the Gezerah Shavah. It's just that he holds it. It's all... Uh, right? It's all bent. Exactly. He holds the Gezerah Shavah, but not uh, the same result. Not the same result. Now the Gemara says, Bemai Kamepalge. What is the source of the Mahlouk between Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda? The Gabi Rosh Hashanah. Tanakama says the Rosh Hashanah so far is straight. Pashut. Rabbi Yehuda says the Rosh Hashanah so far is kafuf. What's the Mahlouk of it? Well, why is one say straight so far, bent so far? What's the, what's the logic here? Mor Sabar, one rabbi holds, Berosh Hashanah kama dechayif inish da'ate tefe ma'aleh. That on Rosh Hashanah, the more <laughs> humble or bent a person is, in the according to the language of the Gibra, da'te, not physically, meaning mentally a person is supposed to be bent, which means not trained, kafuf. He's supposed to be subjugated, he's supposed to be humbled. So therefore the shofar, according to the Bihuda, is kafuf, to symbolize the attitude that a person has to have mentally on Rosh Hashanah. The chayif da'te. Rashi says, "Kama dechayif inish b'tfilato, panav kevushim la'ares tfe adif." Now, according to Rashi, it doesn't sound like he had the word "date." Rashi sounds like he's learning the guy himself physically should be bent over. Why? Mishum vayu aniv lebisham hilkach berosh said l'tfilato l'skin akedat yitzchak ba. He's mentioning akedat yitzchak. He's coming to pray by the kifufin. So you bend yourself. So the, the bent shofar represents the position. Of humility that a person should pray in me bending over in the tefillah. So there's a big nafkamina if you have the word date or not date. If you say date, then it's just a mental subjugation. If you don't have the word date like Rashi, it's actually a physical bending over. Which means uh, the yovel. What's the purpose? The yovel is to call uh, to call freedom. And therefore, no, no humility there, just uh, a straight sound, meaning a straight shavar. That's what the Gibran says. Which is, on Yom Kippur, the straighter person is, it's better, meaning because it's freedom. Freedom, person stands straight, and he goes there, he's not a slave anymore. Well, what's the purpose of Yom Kippur shavar? To announce to slaves, go free. When a slave goes free, what? He's not subjugated anymore. He stands up straight, and he walks out. So therefore, first of you, he doesn't hold this Gezerah Shavah, obviously. Between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Because Rosh Hashanah says bent, and Kippur he says straight. Now you're getting the logic. Rosh Hashanah bent, because the person's supposed to be bent on Rosh Hashanah, either mentally or physically. Whereas Kippur, or Yovel, person stands erect, because he's being freed as a slave. So therefore the Shofar represents that concept by having a straight Shofar. Now we go to the Shita of Hakamim. Umur Sabar. Berosh Hashanah. Kamat Pashit Inish Da'ate Tefe Ma'aleh. 
Hachim said the exact opposite. Anos Shana, straight is better. Why? That she says, Mishum Nisa Lebabenu El Kapayim. Which means we are going to raise our hearts to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. She's going to come closer to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. So how does a person come closer and raise his heart? He stands straight. Hilkach, Baruch Hashanah B'Fshutim, Dilet Filahu. It's Tefilah. Tefilah, you're getting closer to a Kadosh Baruch Hu. So you, you, you stand straight. V'yom HaKippurim Nameh. Now the Hadush is on Kippur, even though <coughs> there's no Tefillah on Yom Kippur of Yovel. Yom Kippur, there's no Tefillah of Yom Kippur of Yovel, special Tefillah. But what's the logic why you keep it straight? Yeah, because So that's what Rashi said in the Mishnah. That even though the reason of Rosh Hashanah is not the reason of Yom Kippur, it's the Gezerah Shavah that's going to keep them similar. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah is Pashut. Kippur is also going to be Pashut. Gemara concludes, But when it comes to a fast day, On a fast day, it's more important that a person is subjugated and he's lowered and humbled. That's she. That's she. Which means when it comes to Ta'aniyot, really the whole purpose of the blowing of the Shvar on Ta'aniyot is to gather the people. Interesting, that she has a different reason here. The Gemara says Ta'aniyot, the reason that you're blowing it, a bench shofar, gotta lower yourself on the Ta'aniyot, gotta bend yourself. That she's not saying that. That she doesn't have this text, by the way. That she did not have this last line. As you see, some of the uh, authorities take out this last line of Taniyot. That she, the Bach, for example, that she's Shita was like this. You know why Taniyot you're low bent? To make a difference between Taniyot and Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. It's not her care. Because technically on Taniyot, she can do anything you want. It's not, uh, it's not for, 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 for uh, like Rosh Hashanah. It's just the Khanufia, it's just to gather the people. So therefore, you know what? Do something different. So that's what Ashi says. Ubetani the lechenufia lo chpatan tavdina kivurim the lehekera. Good. No, this kebara doesn't say that. It's coming to him inish datech female. That she's doing it just to heker. According to our Gersad Gemara, it's because she's supposed to subjugate yourself more on a tani. Totally different reason. So now we figured out the reason of Hakamim, and we figured out the reason of the Biyuda in the Mishnah. What about Rabbi Levi? Right, the Bidavi Shita was everything is. I'm sorry, according to the Bidavi, Roshan Yom Kippur is Kifufin. Right? And everything is straight. So that she says, Ul the Bidavi, eat the Kirbiuda, Tilifila Baina Kifufin. He holds of the Bidavi in the sense that what? That for Tifila, you have to have Kifufin. And therefore, Rosh Hashanah is going to be Kifufin. He makes the. Therefore, Yom Kippur also is going to be Kivufin. Like the rabbis make this. That's why. Hilkak, Tarbayu Ba'ina, and Kivufin. However, when it comes to Yoveh, when it comes to Taniyot, make it Heker either. Quote Rashi, and then we'll do the opposite and make it Pashut. So therefore, the Bilevi is in the middle somewhere. He holds like the Gezirah Shabbat that you compare Rosh Hashanah to Kippur. However, he hols like the Biuda. That the shofar of Rosh Hashanah should be bent, because the tefillah. Oh, once it's bent, Rosh Hashanah, we have to make a kesh, and therefore Kippur is also bent like the rabbis. Oh, what about Taniyot? Taniyot will be pashut, either according to what she said, because it will be a kesh to make a difference.